and welcome to a very special edition of the Orient Outlook podcast sponsored by AJF Plastering with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stand Chum, bearded legend, the daddy-o, the one and only, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is, as Steve says, a very special episode of the podcast. Uh, following the announcement of Ross Embleton as Leighton Orient's head coach, we are delighted to be joined on the phone all the way from America, Chairman Nigel Travis and Vice Chairman Kent Teague. Gentlemen, welcome. So I guess let's start at the beginning. And the first question we've got for you is, why Ross Embleton? Well, let, let me go first and then I'm sure Kent will add to it. I mean, we try and make decisions in a very considered way. Uh, and I want to start off not directly answering your question, but say I think there is some valid criticism that I've heard that we've perhaps taken too long over this and we haven't communicated to our normal standard. And to our fans, I apologise. As chairman, I take full responsibility for that. But we obviously had to get over the Carl situation, handle that. We wanted to try and rebuild a bit after that. Um, but... The, the, the lack of transparency during that period is, is not the standards we attain to and we clearly failed to do that well. So one of the benefits of having done the Carl recruitment is we've got a very good idea of who's out there. Um, and we obviously measured Ross once he decided, which clearly is the change, that he wanted to do the job. We measured Ross against all the other potential candidates. And I know some people think other clubs have signed up some people. Some of those people we have interviewed. Some of those people are unavailable for various reasons. Some of those people have salaries that would shock uh, many people on the podcast um, because they've been at clubs willing to pay high numbers. And as we try and become a sustainable club, that's not to say that we're cheap because... Uh, we think we're paying Ross an above average compensation package for the league. But we think of the number of elements he has. He's, he's an incredibly thoughtful individual. He has the 100 full support of the players. And we obviously, as we did when we let Carl go, consulted the players. He has the full support of the coaching staff. Uh, we see him every day. We don't just see him, if you like, on public interviews. We think he's an outstanding coach. We think he's an outstanding man manager. And I spent a lot of time when he was over in the summer during the unfortunate period when Justin passed, talking to him about that. So I've got first-hand experience of that. We, we simply put it all together, and I could go on and on. We think he's the best person to take this club forward. And I think he has one extra ingredient, like me, He's oriented through and through. Ken? Anything to add to that, Ken? I think that, yeah, I think that one of the things that keeps being missed in all this is the transition from Justin is much more difficult than we had first imagined. It is way, well, like crazy, crazy more difficult than I ever imagined it would be. I don't have the cultural sensitivity uh, to the English culture to understand in some way the nuances 
as to why the transition is so difficult uh, from Justin. But it is extremely difficult for a lot of our fans, uh, for a lot of people in football, for some of our players, for some of our coaches. It's a very difficult process. And, you know, Nigel and Matt, uh, Martin Ling, you know, they have the cultural sensitivity to understand what is best for the club, both short, medium, and long term. And, and so this, but, but as a, and I, like an outsider, right? Kind of like an outsider. As an outsider, it is much more difficult than I had expected. And I think Ross is the best answer for that transition. And that means that I think he will hold, you know, the, the locker room better during the transition. I think he has the skills, the coaching ability, the leadership ability, the man management knows the players. I think he can get the best out of the players. Let's remember that this squad is hand-picked by Justin. It's hand-picked by Justin. And so for someone else to come in and take over Justin's squad or to take over where Justin left off, it's not an easy process. And it's not something that a lot of people are willing to sign up for, to be honest. So, you know, kudos to Ross. He's ready to go. Uh, let's all know that his safety net has been removed. He no longer has a safety net of going back to being number two. He's now number one. He's the real number one. He has a contract as if he's the real number one. He has the players as if he's the real number one. He has the board as if he's the real number one. And so the safety net is gone. And now he'll be judged based on his results. We've set a bar that we expect him to achieve this year and next. And we will see how he does against that bar. So that, so just to be clear then, there's no sort of revert clause, if you like, in this contract that if it isn't going well or he decides that it's not for him, that there isn't the opportunity for him to go back as, uh, into, into the coaching setup and, and have someone come in and, uh, and, and be head coach. So the appointment's taken quite a while to finalise and to communicate. Um, I guess the question is, why has it taken so long? Well, I think I partially answered that in the first question. And again, we we did take too long over it, but then we bumped into the Christmas period. As Martin Ling said in his earlier interview today, um, you know, we decided to put it aside and focus on the Christmas period. Uh, and then when we got into the middle of that, we tried to get the contract done. And, and a contract for a head coach in football is far more complex than most people's contracts of employment. I, I haven't got the exact number in front of me, but I'm guessing it's about 17 pages long. Um, so we have to involve lawyers. We have to involve the League Managers Association. And I want to take this opportunity to say I think that's a really good organisation. They've helped us tremendously handle the Justin situation. And echoing what Ken said, that's been far more difficult than 
anyone could have imagined. Uh, probably, and I've said this to you before, the most difficult thing I've handled in 50 years of working. But the League Managers Association are involved, um, and it just takes time. But no excuse, we should have got it done earlier. Um, Can I add to that? Yep. Yeah, of course. All right, so Ross Embleton doesn't have an agent. So Martin Ling never negotiated with Justin, never negotiated with Steve. He negotiated with their agents. So in order for us to get the deal done, it's been Nigel that's been negotiating with Ross. So part of the challenge of getting this done is that it's a little bit out of the norm because we've got someone that we're dealing with who doesn't have an agent. Number two, this is Ross's first first team manager contract. That means that Ross really wants to take his time. He really wants to understand what he's committing to. He really wants to understand how it works. So it takes a little bit longer because it's a little bit out of the norm and it's and it's Ross's first time through this. So we are being very careful. We're being very cautious. We're being maybe a little bit overly cautious and maybe a little bit putting in too much explanation, like he's, you know, like Nigel said, with 17 pages, because of the Carl situation. And because of the Justin situation, the eventuality that Justin occurred was not in his contract. <laughs> We've had to come up with new phrases and new things in contract that we never thought we'd have to come up with before. So, yes, it's taken a little bit longer than normal, but there are reasons. There are reasons. And, and yeah, just to add to th- yeah, go on. Okay. Just to add to that. I actually met with Ross on the 27th of December. So, I mean, it's tough, as you know, getting anything done in the UK in the Christmas period, mm-hmm. uh, particularly involving outside organisations. So it's been hanging around since then. OK, thank you. Good to know, yeah. Um, Ken, football's unlike any industry that you, you probably ever dealt with in, in your sort of vast uh, sort of career. And, and I guess, Nigel, this, you know, the same for you. But, but Ken, has this been a, a surprise to you, that, you know, these processes around football? Uh, in so many different ways, uh, both from a economic perspective, a competitive landscape perspective, a, uh, the way that um, how hard it is to restructure an organization uh, in the UK um, compared to the way that we might do it in the US or other parts of the world. Um, it has been an incredibly valuable learning experience for me. I did not have as much international exposure or experience as my esteemed colleague, <laughs> Nigel Travis, has. I promise you that. He, he still tells me about how the world works in Japan and, and all kinds of places around the world. I show up in Amsterdam. He, you know, he's got, he's got stores there. Uh, but it's been an incredible learning experience for me. Frustrating at times, I admit. But, uh, you know, very, very valuable. 
Nigel, you said on the podcast previously that before appointing a new head coach, you may want to spend a bit more time with them to get to know them a bit better. Um, obviously, because it's Ross and you already have that relationship, you said you spent some time with him on the 27th. Have you spent any more time with him? Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, okay, so that's a great question. So, firstly, I know people perhaps think it's a bit of a, to use a British phrase, a jolly, that people come here in the summer and spend time with my family. Um, but Ross came in the summer. We all learned that he's very allergic to cats. So don't stick a cat near him on match day. Okay. Um, <laughs> Noted. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, when people stay at your house, you get to know them pretty well. And, it, and it's not like an interview, because you see them when they wake up in the morning, when they go to bed at night, when they go out for a drink. So I've got to know Ross well then. I mean, forget whether he's the right head coach or not, and we believe he is, but forget that. He's an incredibly good individual. And and I think you guys know it because he does a spectacular job when he comes on the podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, in my view, he's probably one of the best people on the podcast, uh, the two of us included. <laughs> um, so you've had a chance to see what a really thoughtful, bright young man he is. He certainly suffers, in my view, from looking younger than uh, the, the perhaps some other head coaches. But um, a, a, a few a, a few months as head coach, we may make him look a bit older. But <laughs> I've got to know him then. I've got to know him. And we have this thing called the transfer committee. Um, and the transfer committee is a subcommittee of the board. And Ross has sat on it since he became, for the second time, interim head coach. And we look at what we're going to do in the window coming up. And we've had two meetings in the past two weeks, and they've been fantastic meetings. And and we talk about the evolving squad. And and Kent brought in a really good concept, which is League One capable players. So Ross has been put on the hot seat of, of analysing which players we have, and obviously we're not going to tell you, but which players we have are League One capable which ones may be able to make it, which ones definitely won't make it, and there's a few who potentially won't make it. There's kind of four categories. And we go through that, we then compare it with who's available on the market, and and Ross is the leader of that. I mean, Martin, at the end of the day, is director of football, but he's not going to go out and bring people in that Ross doesn't want. It's a very collaborative process, we have debates, and the benefit of Kent and I, and Matt, who also sits on that committee, is we can ask questions, some of which, perhaps, because they're so close to it, football people don't think about. Um, in many ways, we're representing the fans' view in those meetings, but we've got to see how Ross thinks, and, that, and it's, it's a very powerful thinking process that we believe he has, and he's going to mould not only his, his squad going forward, he will mould his coaching team uh, over the next few years. We hope it's a few years that he's there. Great. And you, we spoke about... Oh, sorry, Ken, yeah. did you want to add anything to that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think you guys know that I have a 25-year-old daughter. My relationship with my 25-year-old daughter, who is now married just bought her own house, owns her own house, has a full-time job at a 
large major corporation in the United States, blah, 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 blah. You know, when she was five, my relationship with her was very different than it is today. Ross Embleton's been around Leighton Orient for 20 years. Same thing. See, I'm not, I'm not sure that people understand how big of a shift this is from a relationship perspective. I think for Ross, it's a big change. His relationship to the club, his relationship to the fans, his relationship to the players, his relationship to the staff, the groundskeeper, he has a very different relationship. It's a big change for the board. The board has seen Ross Simpleton be everything at this club he possibly can be. And so it's a big change. I think it's a big change for Matt Porter. I actually think it's a pretty big change for Nigel to see Ross as he is now, which is, and he needs to be treated as the head coach, the manager, the gaffer. And I think it's a big change for Martin Ling. I think it's a big change for Martin Ling to have Ross Embleton have no safety net, to have no protection, to not be what Ross has always been to Martin Ling. I think these are big adjustments and big changes. And I wouldn't want us to, you know, lessen or, or diminish the changes that we're about to go through by having Ross Embleton as our head coach. I think it's going to be fantastic, but it's going to be definitely different for all of us. Different in terms of a sort of big bump in the road to overcome different or... Or how, how does that manifest itself in terms of are we likely to see some, you know, uh, um, not a negative impact as such, but because but ov- obviously Ross is kind of hitting the ground running because he's obviously already in situ. But do you think that these uh, challenges that you sort of mentioned there, do, do you see there being a, an outward impact to these? Absolutely. And, and the thing is, I think the players will respond very, very well to the fact that they know that it's Ross and that he's been announced and that he's not interim anymore. I think that Ross will respond really well to not having that safety net, not having that protection, not having the ability to go back to number two. I think that the staff will react. I think that initially the fans uh, you know, are you know some of them are not happy. Some of them are. Some of them don't care. Some of them do care. I mean, it's you know it'll be all over the map. But uh, I think that the what my point is is that the relationship is now different. Ross Embleton is the gaffer. Ross Embleton is the gaffer. That's what he is. That's what he is. And. For a lot of Leighton Orient fans and a lot of people associated or roughly associated or closely or not closely associated to Leighton Orient, that's going to be a big change in their relationship to Ross. It's interesting, Steve. You and I have worked in similar industries. Yeah. And, and you know, if you suddenly go up within the company, I'm not going to name it because you may not want it, but within the company you work for, you can name it. Everyone knows people that way. Well, Alright, HMV. If you move up there, <laughs> people will say, well, why has he got the job? And they will see you in your previous job. That's a challenge that Ross has. When I was at Burger King, I'm, I moved back to Europe to run Europe, Middle East and Africa. 
everyone saw me as the HR person. Three years later, I moved to Blockbuster. No one saw me as the HR person. That's a problem that Ross has. Mm. So it's up to him to fight the tentacles of people thinking of him in his prior roles uh, and, and get over it. Um, so, I mean, that's a challenge in its own right. And I don't think it's just up to Ross. I think it's up to the players and the staff, the football staff. It's up to everybody, um, you know, to react and respond appropriately for what we're going through. And now's the time for Ross to step up. Now's the time for the players to step up, the coaching staff, everybody. And the fans. And the fans. Do you think... By by the way, just on the fans bit... Mm. Grimsby have already bought 600. They're going to bring mm. in buy another 600 I heard about two hours ago. So they're going to have a, probably a full house of away fans. So we got to make a lot of noise, get behind it. It should be an interesting game because um, their new manager has gone in and it's not a normal manager appointment. Our interpretation is he's effectively bought the club or in the process of buying the club. Strange move on on in in my eyes, but but never mind. Um, so the the longer Ross held the interim head coach role for, do you think that would have potentially put off potential transfer targets of ours and securing the players that we want, short and long and medium term? Uh, no, I don't think that's been an effect at all. A, we can only do it in the window. B, we've been preparing for the windows. As I said, he sits on the transfer committee. We've been hard at work. We're hard at work all the time. Mm. Um, Steve, our chief scout, um, you know, he's always coming up with players. So Ross has been intimately involved. So I don't think there's any effect of that. And I meant from the again, players' perspective. Gonna... Sorry, I meant from the players oh. coming in perspective rather than Leighton Orient's perspective. Well, a new goalkeeper. The major reason he chose us over two League One clubs was Ross. I mean, that's a fact. So, I mean, this is a guy who's now travelled around the world to Chile and back. I've not personally met him. But the major reason he came over offers he had from the division above, I mean, A, he's a a League One capable goalkeeper, and, and B, he came because he wanted to work again with Ross from going back to his time at Swindon. Mm. So I, I, I think actually the continuity of Ross has been an asset and one we will capitalise on and, and it has zero impact on the people we're bringing in or the people going out. And I think one of the things that perhaps people don't see, you know, football's a tough game. You have to make decisions about people. Ross sits down and talks to them in a direct fashion, which I don't think many head coaches do. And I think that's a real asset of his. Hmm. Um, I'd prefer that we ask that. I'd prefer that we ask that question after the transfer window closes, because I think, if based on who the targets are and who I think may be coming in that we've been talking about on the transfer committee for the last month or so. Uh, I don't think that the talent that we want or need is going to be put off by Ross. In fact, I think they want to be associated with Ross. Good to hear. Uh, Very good to hear. Um, 
So what are your expectations for the remainder of this season then? We're currently sitting in a lower position than perhaps what we're all comfortable with. So I'm just going to assume that being further up the league is probably one of your expectations come April, May time. Yeah, we... It was actually Kent who often thinks of really good things that I don't think of. So. <laughs> um, he came up with a measurement which we shared with Martin. We then shared it with Ross. We're all aligned on what that measurement is. I'm not going to share it because A, that's unfair on Ross. Yeah. And B, I don't think it's appropriate. I mean, you know, Dave Hoffman is the CEO at Duncan who reports to me as chairman. Um, he, you know, we don't make all his goals public until after the end of the year. But, but you're absolutely right. It, it would be a much better performance than we've seen in the first, whatever it is, 26 games. Um, and you know we, it's not only a points progress it's what we see with the players what we see with the coaching staff what we see in terms of the way he handles the other staff not just coaching people we know we've got sports scientists fitness people uh, Keaton the physio um, I mean it's, it's a big job and, and he's not going to do it like Justin did because Justin was unique in his his style he will do it the Ross way and we will evaluate all that and if it's not working just just to be clear we will change it and he knows that so just wondering if we were eighth in the table would we be having a different conversation and the reason I ask that is because our away uh, our away uh, results put us eighth in the table. Our home record puts us 19th in the table overall. Our away record is eighth. So, question, if we were eighth, would we be having a different conversation? Would the fans feel differently? Yes. If we were eighth, would the staff feel differently? Would everyone, yes, of course, everyone would feel differently. But, we're eighth away, and we're who knows what at home to get to 19. So, question. You know, for Ross, it really comes down to what does he, how does he approach home? How does he do home? How does he make home work better? That is a big question, and I know that is being talked about a lot between him Martin, the coaching staff, the players, us, the board, everybody. And so, yes, I understand that, you know, we're having these challenges because we sit at 19th in the table. But if we had the same home record as we had away, we'd be eighth. And wouldn't we be having a different conversation? Very different. Very different, yeah. it is interesting. Kent reminded me of something. I, through Martin Ling, I had a drink the other night with Dean Smith, who I'd never met before. You guys probably know him better than I do. Um, great guy. In many ways, Aston Villa are in the same position as us. They get promoted. They're towards the bottom of the table. Um, remember, we went up one year at least, the Kent and I might say it's actually two years before we expected from the National League. In many ways, it was always going to be difficult. You then pound.
round on top. Justin, the um, unfortunate passing. Um, you add on top the fact that our very important captain hasn't played one minute this year. I mean, and then we, you have the issue with Carl. Very difficult season. And Ross has been the, the guy that's held it all together during this time. And I want to go back to something that we mentioned earlier. The players want certainty. They want Ross. And I think they're going to play extremely well for him because they like him. And fine, we could all like people, but they like him because he's straightforward. And if you think about it, just about everyone has been dropped at one stage or another by Ross Embleton this year. I think that was an important point to make. Yeah, he's not scared to uh, to drop. I think we said it in the podcast. He did. He's made last some big week. calls, isn't he? He's made some big calls. Yeah, and dropping, dropping calls Josh, and Josh. Yeah, absolutely. So he's he's you know he's proved his worth in 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 many regards, and that's just that's just one of the number. So I guess to finish, then, because obviously you're both very busy. So Ross Embleton is the man. He's the guy you've chosen to take Leighton Orient forward. So how happy are you that Ross has, I guess, finally accepted the role and he is now, like you've said, the gaffer, the number one, the top dog? <laughs> that, that, that's a great question. Um, well, we feel he's the best guy. We feel he's, he's the right person for Leighton Orient. Having had an unfortunate experience a couple of months ago with Carl Fletcher, I don't want to count my chickens. We're going to do everything we can to help Ross succeed. Uh, and we believe he will be successful. We believe he will galvanise the players. I feel confident about where we're going to go. I'm also confident about some of the moves we're making in the transfer window that will become trans- transparent as time evolves because not everything happens on day one. Um, but I, I feel really happy about it. But it, it's been a decision that's lingered too long. And again, I say to all the people who listen to the podcast, we should have made it happen earlier. And that's another lesson to add to the lessons we learned on the uh, Carl situation. Kent, did you have anything you wanted to add? I am super excited because it's Ross um, and for a litany of reasons we don't have another hour to be on the podcast, but I am very excited. I am very confident that Ross is going to do well, and I think that the best thing that's happened to Ross is the structural shifts that we've made in the relationship that we have with him. And I think that will do him well. I think when people are allowed to fail, a tendency to succeed. And I think when people have the feeling that they're safe or that they're not at risk, um, I, I think they have a harder time doing that. So I feel like the changes that we've made in our relationship with Ross and that Ross has made in his relationship with us, I think it's going to serve very well going so just to end this uh, this special episode there are a number of fans out there uh, as you guys have probably seen on social media and probably on the forums uh, there are a number who may not necessarily feel that Ross is the 
uh, or, or their preferred appointment. What would you say to those fans? Well, first of all, we do not operate the club based on uh, the opinions that are found on social media. Uh, you can't operate a business, you can't operate a club uh, based on that. Um, there's too much of a divergence of opinion, and there's too much of a divergence of, you know, just special interests. We're not even sure sometimes who the person is on social media that's saying what they're saying. We don't even know who they are. They may not even be a late Orient fan, to be honest. And second of all, we don't operate the club based on total agreement. If you think that this board of directors always agrees on everything, you need to come sit at a board meeting. You see, there's a difference. There's a difference between being disagreeable and being in disagreement. The board is often in disagreement, but we are rarely disagreeable with each other. We are searching for the best answers, the best thought, the best idea. It doesn't necessarily matter who it comes from, but we're searching for the best idea, the best thought, the best action to next take. So we don't expect, whether it's our front of shirt sponsor, the name of our uh, you know, stadium, the, you know, the street on which we live, we don't. We can't get complete and total agreement on anything in this club or in this society or in this world. Mm. Mr. Travis? You know, it's interesting, living in Boston, which um, most people have probably never been here, but this has the most difficult sports fans, in my view, in the world. You have the New England Patriots, who have the best record in sports, listen to sports radio every day, you think they were a bunch of idiots. Um, they lost the playoff game on Sunday. Uh, you'd think if they had relegation, they would have been relegated. So people have opinions, and, and sports is about passion. And I don't want to stop anyone giving their opinions. Uh, I read, as I've said to you many times, and I know Kent does read a lot of those opinions, but we're charged with taking the club forward, and I sometimes learn from those opinions. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't agree with them. But being a fan myself of many clubs, I have opinions, and I sometimes wonder why people have done things. Uh, what I think is important for us to do, and we haven't done a very good job on it recently, is explain why we do things and tell people what's going on, uh, because fans need to know. They may not agree, they can voice their disagreement, as Kent said, but we're going to keep making decisions, and I want everyone to remember, at, at the end of the day, the reason I bought the club was for my love of the club. I'm a fan, but it doesn't mean we get everything right, but we happen to believe that after taking far too long to make this decision, we've got it right with Ross. So that was Nigel Travis and Kent T live on the phone from the good old US of A. And we thank, what well, we thank Nigel both and Kent, both of them, for coming on and talking to us as fans, to you fans as well. Quite simply amazing when we started this podcast to think that we've got the Orient chairman and the vice chairman and principal investor talking to us about the appointment. 
of a manager is simply quite yeah. staggering, really. And what's quite refreshing as well is they, you know, they've said that you know it, it's gone on longer than they expected, and Nigel apologised. It's his responsibility. You don't get this transparency and openness from from other clubs. Um, so you know we are very very lucky. They've admitted that this, you know, they've not played this out particularly well, and and, and they apologise for that. But hopefully, with this announcement now, we can put all of that behind us. Support Ross. Support the team. Because we all want the same thing. We all want to do well. We want to be fighting for promotion and playoffs and not against relegation. So so if you're thinking about going on Saturday, like Nigel said, get yourself down to Brisbane Road. Let's give Ross a big old Brisbane Road welcome. And so that's it. Thank you for joining us for our Nigel, uh, Travis and Ken Teague special. Uh, we're sure you all know we do a podcast every Sunday and we'll be back with episode 204 next Sunday evening. So if you like what you've heard, please come back and listen. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and give our podcast a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, tune in to Stitcher, add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. We're also an all-smart speaker, so if you got on for Christmas, you can listen on the smart speaker. And if you have an older relative, a loved one, or an orange chum who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone and download it for them and pass the pod. So we look forward to hearing from you, and as always, keep calm, have a great week. And listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.